Hi, it's Vicki Wu with Vicki Wu Marketing, and today I'm going to talk about some of the most common design mistakes I see entrepreneurs make on their do it yourself websites. This is Vicki Wu, and as always, we're talking about the best tips for marketing your small business. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of the latest updates. Actually, I've also seen some of these mistakes made by professional website designers, but it is more common if you're doing it yourself. And it's important because we already know that Google's announced in 2021 they're going to be releasing another search engine algorithm update that has to do with visitors on page experience and some of your design elements can feed into that. Plus, it's been proven that you don't have to have a fancy, expensive design, but using design elements well can actually help your visitors find information quicker, the information they need to become a customer, and retain the information better. So there's a lot of good reasons to at least pay attention to the basic design principles that we're gonna talk about. One of the most common errors I see is text that is too wide. I've seen this a few times, some clients that I just continually keep telling, they want the text basically, you know, edge to edge, except for a little bit of margin. But if you think about your screen width, they want their text to cover that whole thing. And that's one of the worst design mistakes you can make. A headline or something big being used strategically wide is one thing, but this is the body text, text that you want your visitors to be reading. A lot of studies have been done and it shows that narrow text columns actually help your readers retain more of the information than putting something completely side to side. If you think back to printed newspaper columns and you know you had a newspaper and there were six to maybe eight columns across the page, that's about the width that your text is most easily read and retained at, not quite as skinny on a website. But you can see how the difference between full width text and something much more narrow can make a big difference. Whenever you have a text, whether it's headline or especially paragraphs, that's really wide, I suggest you split it into two or maybe even three lines if it's a single line. And for your body text, a lot of websites have a sidebar down the right or left side, and that can take up some of the width, help keep your text blocks more narrow. But in any other circumstance, you also want to consider how wide your text is, especially body copy, where you're reading multiple lines of text. It's harder for your eyes to scan from the left far to the right, and then return and go all the way back to the left to that first word of the next line. It's more easy for you to be able to scan the text if your columns are narrow. Another issue related to text is your fonts. The most common thing I see is having too many fonts, but it can also be a problem if you have bad fonts, ones that are hard to read, or conflicting designs of fonts. Too many fonts is the most common problem. For the most part, you want no more than three fonts, maybe even only two. A headline font, a body font, and then maybe an accent font that you use here and there. The problem I see is when people have their different levels of headlines, H1, H2, H3, and each one is a different font. That gets really confusing to the eye and it actually detracts 
from your visitor's ability to read and retain the information. Also, most people go with one serif font with the little lines on the letters and one sans serif font without. It's harder to match two serif fonts and sometimes two sans serif fonts and make them fit well together. And again, anything that becomes distracting to the eye takes away our ability to retain the information. For example, if you have a really wide font for a headline and a really narrow vertical font for the body text, those two may conflict a little bit too much with each other or in the reverse as well. If you're not sure about fonts, use one of the many websites out there that has some font pairing suggestions and start with those. Even my own branding as it evolves, fonts are and should be a part of that. I have gone through some different iterations of fonts I've used on my website, especially because something that may look good on paper or look good on a font pairing website where you're seeing how the design looks together, once you actually put it to use on your website, it may not be quite what you want. So you may have to play with it a bit and that's okay. But just make sure that you're not using 10 or 20 fonts. Like I said, two to three max is what you wanna focus on. And that includes if you're using a lot of images that you add text to, if you're using a lot of different text and those images are all on your website, your eye is picking that up as text. And if it's competing with your other fonts, it can get really cluttered. And again, like I said, it creates a problem for your reader retaining information and you want them to retain your information. Also related to the people who want the text going all the way side to side, what that does is it doesn't leave a lot of white space or negative space. One of the things I learned in design a long, long time ago is that wherever there's negative space around some other design elements, our eye fills that in. And you actually need that white space so that your eye and your brain can do that. Because otherwise, if things are too close together and there's no white space, it's all overlapping in your brain. And again, it actually detracts from it, especially on a website that is harder to read in a lot of cases for some of the reasons we've already mentioned than something printed, perhaps that white space or negative space. If you have a black background on your website, obviously it's gonna be black space. You want to use that and use it often. If you have text and image and video and button, put white space between those as well. And it's not just for your eye filling in, but also some mobile usability, which we'll talk about in a moment. Also having a really dated design. And even if you don't know what those dated design elements are. You know when you look at a website that looks like it's from the 1990s and the 90s called and they want their website back. This also relates to not following today's website design norms. People expect for the most part for a logo to be in a certain place, a menu to be in a certain place, and the further you stray from that, your usability will suffer. The amount of time people spend on your website will suffer just because they're having to navigate in a way that doesn't feel normal. Some of these businesses may have actually designed their first website in the 90s, or they had a designer who was stuck in that decade. And they may have not ever updated and done a redesign since then. So if that's your website, you may actually wanna look at a redesign now, not just because of the data design, but also mobile usability and responsiveness. It wasn't built into those 
90 designs that were very HTML heavy. So it's probably time for you to look at doing a refresh. And if you only have time or budget to refresh one thing, do the homepage. Always start there. There's also a problem with too much information and the flip side of that, not enough information. One of my friends who came to me to help her do some small redesigns on her website that she had just had done by a web design company. The front page, the home page, had a huge big block of text. A lot of it was wider. The whole block was centered, which when it's a block of body text, it's actually worse to have it centered because your brain has to think about, instead of always returning all the way back to the left when you have it left justified, your brain has to stop and think about where do I go next? And you can actually lose your place in the copy easier. Again, that's not the best thing for your visitors retaining the information. This was a huge block of text. For the most part, there's only like one thing bolded in it. When I first looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to read this text. And I need to read it because I know I'm going to have to use some of that in the redesign of that front page. And if I didn't want to stop and look at it, you know that visitors to her website wouldn't want to either. So either they're going to just completely skip over that information and some of it was critical like the office hours and what they do. And in this case, it wasn't too much information. It was just presented in one block, which made it look like too much. Sometimes you can consider if you have too much information on any one page, you may be able to like break it into two or three related pages might be easier on your visitor and on their eye and on their retention ability and on their desire to read it than having one big block. Then again, you don't want too little information. The whole point of a website, it's a marketing piece for you for people to get to know you and your company and your services and kind of who you are and how you do. So not having enough information can be just as bad. You just need to be careful how you present it. Now mobile, I had touched on this a bit, not having a mobile optimized or responsive site is a huge issue. More and more people are visiting your website first on a mobile device versus a laptop or desktop. And so you need to have that mobile piece, at least have it friendly to visitors. If you think back to those old 1990s dated websites, a lot of them, if you open them on mobile, you're getting the full website width on a tiny little screen and you're having to use your fingers and try to zoom in. And then another thing that's a big problem on mobile is links being too small to navigate, whether that's in the menu or hyperlinks throughout the text. You know how it is, you have to zoom in first of all, and then you're trying to click one of the links and you feel like you've just got big fat thumbs and it never fails, you click the wrong one. And then you're trying to click the back button and go back and try to click the right one that time. Anything like that, if it's too frustrating, people are just gonna leave your website and go to a competitor that it's easier for them to use and navigate. Mobile responsiveness is a huge thing which should not surprise any of you. Even though we're talking about design, of course we're talking about some of the copy on your website as well. And a big mistake I see people make is focusing too much on yourself rather than your audience. One of my long-term clients, we wanted to clean up her website homepage. And on that, it was minimalistic. The text on it was something more appropriate for like an about or bio page. It talked a lot about her, her experience, her education, 
and kind of why she got into the field, which is great information, but it doesn't belong on a homepage because it's written in first person. It's all about me, 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 rather than about the audience and the visitor on your website. So we've had her move that to an about page, which she also had, and it had much the same information, and completely rewrite the text on her homepage to focus more on the problems that her clients have, how she helps them fix those problems, things they run into, questions they ask, her services that can help address those issues. All of that kind of customer-focused verbiage being very client-centric, that's what you want to focus on. If you talk about you too much, while there's a time and place for it, you really want the website to be welcoming to your visitors and not just be a boast piece. Also speaking about the actual copy on your website, another problem is it not being easily scannable. Part of that goes back to the width of the text. We talked about how your eyes scan along the lines, but also using text design elements to keep the person moving down the page. You wanna do that because for one thing, there's usually more information down the page and you're wanting to give them more information, so they've gotta keep moving to do that. Sometimes you've got some really good call to actions a little bit further down that they need to get to, but it really goes back to having them retain the information. So the best way you can do that is having text design elements such as bold, italic, bullet points, sometimes underlines, your different headings can help with that as well. And that helps your viewer as they're reading your text. You have a keyword related to what they're reading in bold, their brain will pick that up very quickly. Even if it dismisses some of the rest of the text around it, it'll pick up those key points. And when their eye sees another bold one down in that next paragraph that's coming, it'll keep them looking down. So it's a way that you can keep the people on your site longer, reading your information longer, and most importantly, retaining it. That use of bold, italic, underline, bullet points, strategic use of headlines that ties into your SEO as well. Also, text on the page, you need to consider grammar. I understand not everybody's good at spelling, at grammar, English class wasn't their favorite class in school, and that's understandable. But it's really easy to take and copy a chunk of text and paste it into one of these sites like Grammarly and have it highlight misspelled words or grammar that you can clean up a little bit or have somebody go through and edit it for you. It just enhances the perception of your professionalism if things like that are taken into account. And I'm not gonna say that no typos will ever be made. That happens. But if you know that grammar and spelling isn't your strong suit, you wanna have that reviewed either through one of those online sites that'll do it for you or have an editor actually go through and note some of those changes for you. Big, big piece every website needs is a call to action. I actually tell clients that come to me before we start on really delving into all the technical SEO pieces, we need to get you some call to actions on the site. It doesn't matter how many people I drive to your website if they don't know what to do when they get there. So I have them go through and at least add a basic call to action to every page of their website, even if it's something basic like contact us for more information, email us, or having their contact information readily visible on the page, in the header, in the footer, in the sidebar, wherever makes the most sense. 
so that your prospect can actually get in touch with you and those call to actions get them to do something and take an action to connect with you further rather than just reading some information and moving along to the next website. Another thing lacking on a lot of do-it-yourself websites is a search function, especially if you have a lot of information that you've been adding through blog posts, articles, that type of thing. That's one of the first things I had the one client that we revamped their homepage to be more client focused. I had her add a search function. She had been releasing some really great blog articles over the course of a couple years. And it's the type of information that once you land on it, you may want to find something related to the topic you just read. But her user had a hard time doing that because there was no way to really navigate to some of the other articles. There was an archive, but it was in date order. So if you didn't know what date you needed to look at, you couldn't use that. There was a one of the end of blog breadcrumb type things where it shows the post released before and after this one you're reading. But again, that only gave you two options and there was no search function. She's on WordPress, so it's really easy to add a search functionality right there through the WordPress capabilities. And the other thing, in addition to having search, the next important thing is making sure that the search returns good results. Let's talk a little bit about your branding. We're gonna start with colors, although that is not the only piece of your branding that you need to worry about as you're looking to grow your company. The biggest thing I see is either too many colors, kind of like related to the too many fonts, or the wrong colors. Obviously your colors should reflect, if you have a logo that has colors in it, and that's, but the worst thing you can do is use too many colors. Black and white are usually a given because it's either a white background with black text or a black background in some cases with white text. That contrast between the background and the text is really important. So those two colors are kind of a given. Your other colors, at the most, you should have probably three. I rely more heavily on two. A primary color, which is my primary brand color, a secondary color, and then I do have a third color that sometimes I use for accents. You can probably go to my website and figure out which one's my primary and which one's my secondary color just by scrolling through the homepage or one of the other pages. It's kind of like when you're designing a room in your house, they say that your carpet and walls should be 70% of your color. Your furnishings and other big items should be 20% of another color. And then your accents are the final 10%. That's kind of the same concept when you're talking about website colors. So if your website uses 20 colors right now, you probably wanna go back and do a redesign to take it down to two or three colors at the most. And this extends to your images, such as if you have a blog and you're putting an image or two or three in each blog, you don't wanna to have too many contrasting colors in all of those types of things that are conflicting with the other colors on your website. Now, I'm not saying you need to go monochrome, although that can be really effective. I helped redesign one website that was black, white, gray, and one kind of a burnt gold color. That was really effective on their website. You don't have to go that extreme though. But if you have muted soft pastel colors like a watercolor scene and then some of your images are bright red and purple and green that's going to conflict and be kind of confusing to the brain so consider that as well that could be just as easy as going in and swapping out a couple stock images if that is what you've used 
to something more reflective of your overall theme. And all of that's part of your overall branding as well. Branding's not just your name and your logo. So much more goes into it, and it's not just your colors either. It does include your images and your colors, but it also includes what you say and how you say it. And that can change over time. There's very few entrepreneurs that start out their business on day one and have all of their branding set, first of all, and have that be exactly the same as their brand and brand voice three or five years down the line because your business changes. So your brand messaging needs to change along with it. A great example is 2020, the COVID pandemic. So many businesses had to pivot and even we changed our messaging up some. The words we used and how we said things isn't the same now as we did two years ago. It's pretty close, but it's okay for that to change over time. And if you make a, a larger overall pivot in your business, at that point, you do need to go back and review some of the text on your website and make sure that you're saying what you wanna say, how you wanna say it. Start with the homepage, always, if that's all you can get to first, start there but you wanna make sure that you have clear brand messaging. And again, it's so that you don't confuse your audience. There's a few other things with images. One of them is we talked about how people have expectations of like where different design elements are going to be. And they've done studies that logos in the header that are centered on the page get fewer clicks than logos that are at the top left of the header. It has to do with a lot of, you know, how all the websites in the world have trained people to click the top left, but they've done studies that clicking that, which usually takes you back to the home page, which usually has some easy ways to get in touch with you or different services you can navigate to. People fail to click the logos that are centered in a header drastically more often, like 80, 90% of the time they won't click that. Whereas the logo on the top left, there's only around four or 5% of the time that they won't click that. So that's one image consideration you need to make. Also the fave icon. That's when you have multiple tabs open in your browser and there's that little tiny icon on each tab that lets you really quickly visually see which tab is which. You wanna update and add that as well. And one of the most common, that's one of the most common things I see, especially on people who have used WordPress, which is always my recommendation for your small business website. WordPress has a built-in icon that is their logo and it's really easy to change it to yours. You just have to need to know how to do that step. Again, it's part of your branding and it's all about helping your visitor navigate your website or if they've got several tabs, navigate back to you when they need to go back to you. And also related to images, we're talking about mobile again, images that aren't responsive. Overall, if your website isn't responsive, you're gonna have sometimes that the images just conflict when people are on mobile. They're either way too small, way too big, whatever it may be. You wanna consider that as well. Talking a little bit more about some of the technical pieces of your website. Weak search engine optimization. Granted, a lot of that's about getting people to your site, but there are pieces of it because it helps your visitor navigate and stay on your site longer. Google places importance on that. One of those items would be not having a secure website, the HTTPS. If somebody visits your site and you've got some unsecure elements on the page, it's going to show them the page isn't secure. And they may assume a hacker's trying to get their information or something and never click to your site. 
So having that HTTPS is critically important. Also, long load times. Website speed plays into Google's algorithm, and it's all based upon whether or not somebody's willing to sit there and wait for your site to load. If you've got good information that they want, they will, even if you have longer load times, that's been proven. But for the most part, you want a quicker website load. If somebody has to get up and go make a cup of coffee and then come back and your website's still loading, you're gonna lose them. All of those pieces of search engine optimization that re relate to the technical side of your website are really important. One of my pet peeves, too many ads and ads in the wrong places. Including ads on your website can be a decent way to make some extra passive income, and plenty of companies do it, but the ones that are really annoying is that there's 20 different ads on the page, and of course each ad takes its time to load, especially if it's video. That slows down the page loading, which we talked about, and even if it's information you want, after a bit, I'm really going to think, do I want to click to another page on this website and have a whole different set of ads load? Or worse, the ones that it shows the ad, but then the ad flips and it shows a different ad. And then there goes, you're trying to scroll down the page and you can't because it's reloading ads again. Oh, and, and the ones that pop up and block some of the stuff I want to look at. So, so, so annoying. So it's okay to have ads, but you want to carefully choose where they are on the page so that they don't distract your visitor. If ad revenue is the only way you're making money in your business, maybe you do have a lot of them on your page. If there's not any entrepreneur we've worked with that that is their revenue stream. So the ads are a supplement and they should not detract from all the other things that are more important on your website. Another problem is not having analytics connected to your website or reconnecting it multiple times with different analytics accounts. A great example of this I have Google Analytics on my website since the time I first set it up, and it's been the same exact analytics tracking code ever since then. So I can pull up my website and look five years back and see what were the top keywords that people were finding my website for, how much traffic was I getting, what were the busiest days I was getting traffic, how does that compare to now, how have things changed over time. All of that is really great information, and Google cannot track any of it until the code is on your website. So if you just put the code on your website last month, you won't actually know what your most popular page or piece of content is, which is great information to help you create more of it because you're only getting one month's worth of data. The other problem is I have one client that I help them with strategy and providing recommendations on what type of content. I don't have access to their website, only their Google Analytics. The problem is they've gone through three web designs in about three years and each new time whoever's coming in and doing their new web design is putting a completely new analytics code on the website so the information in analytics from three years ago i can't pull it up in their current analytics account i can't compare easily with just a couple clicks in google analytics what happened then and what happened now it's also hard to see trends that way their redesign may be using some design elements that could hurt their ongoing traffic or something. So we're not able to easily track changes in trends and things that are impacting their search engine optimization without pulling reports from three different accounts. And then we have to merge them into like a spreadsheet and it's just not effective. So if you do a redesign with a web designer, make sure they use your 
current analytics code, provide it to them, tell them you don't want to use anything different. Sometimes they'll try to talk you into, oh, well, it's better if you start from scratch, fresh data. No, it's not. There's nothing valid about that except for some reason them wanting to erase all traces of anybody who had access to it before. And you don't have to worry about who has access to that analytics account because you can add and remove users really easily. Add the analytics code. If you don't have it, go do it right now. And then don't change it. If you change everything else on your website, keep the same code. And also a little bit of like technical legalese pieces you want. This isn't really designed, but it's meant to help protect your business. Privacy policy, especially with the laws in California, the GDPR, some other states moving more towards that, you want to make sure that you have a link to a privacy policy that people can read. You may also need something like terms and conditions, especially if you're like a membership site or something like that. Those are really important. And if you sell anything through your website, you want some kind of return or refund or warranty policy. People need to know if and when and how they can get their money back. Or if you don't offer refunds, it needs to be spelled out in a policy on your website. So if the issue ever comes up, you can refer people back to the policy. I always recommend somebody start with whatever website you can. If you need to build it yourself on a really simple platform, do it. You need something. But then as your business grows, you're going to find better results. If you have a nice, understandable design, it doesn't have to be the fanciest design in the world as long as people can navigate it, as long as it's not distracting. And ideally, at some point, it needs to start reflecting your brand. All of these companies that we've helped grow to multi-million and multi-billion dollar companies took all of these design pieces into account at some point because it helped their prospective customer and the audience visiting their website. To grow, you're going to want to address some of those issues, even if you don't need to do it right at the beginning. And at some point, you may need help to do that. I have a couple ways to help you make your website better. First of all, you can request a checklist. Kind of goes through basically these things that I just walked you through, but you can download it and take each point and check things on your website. Maybe make some notes of things you want to update. That checklist is available for download on the resource section of our website. Also, you can request a website design audit similar to the website SEO audit that we do. But this is focused on these type of design principles and we do a manual review of your website and go through and check and make some recommendations on some things you want to update and we usually tell you which one you should focus on first based upon our years and years of experience. You can request that in the resource section as well and I've put both the links to those down below in the description so you can find those there. The website design checklist and the website design audit request. Take advantage of those and improve your online presence. And as always, if you have any questions, you can visit our website, vickiwoo.marketing, and there's a chat bubble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. You can ask your question there or visit any of our social media and ask your question on those pages. We'll either respond to you directly or we may even use your question in an upcoming episode.